Well, we've been tracking along, and really the last three weeks, uh, three weeks ago, we had our kids here at, at the service, and lots of little sheep and uh, little shepherds, and we had um, stars and a choir, a heavenly host, and all kinds of things going on on the stage. And, uh, and our kids, as they concluded their presentation, the last line it was this, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means, and if the kids, some of the kids are here that were in it, which means what? God with us, right? And so that's the way it ended. And we talked about that the story, the Christmas story is rooted in love. It's rooted in love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? To be with us to be with us. And boy, what a privilege it is. And last week we looked at the idea that God is with us, His presence. And then we were praying for a renewed desire in our hearts that the presence of God would go with us. And we invited Him into our lives, into our every day, into our every move. That this was the plan from God from the very beginning to abide with us, to speak to us, to guide us, to teach us along the way. And uh, this is what God had planned. And we, last week, we kind of unfolded the nature of God in His presence throughout history. And it started with Adam and Eve in the garden, that God was near or was with man in the garden. And then with the children of Israel, God was present with a cloud by day and a fire by night. And then God's presence was near the people in the tabernacle and later in the temple. And then that became obsolete. In Revelation 21, 22, it said there's no need for the temple any longer because Jesus came to earth. And when Jesus died, the, the veil in the temple ripped from top to bottom and it allows us to, be, to have Emmanuel with us, God with us in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And someday we said last week that the presence of God will be near us and with us and in us in heaven. And we look forward to that day. But the presence of God has always been available to believers. And that was God's plan. And it's awesome to see how that works. We also said last week that there are distractions along the way that would keep us from the presence of God. And our challenge was that we have to acknowledge that God is enough in our lives. That God is, uh, our, we need to have, be completely dependent on Him. That God is with us, He's in us, and nothing else is as, as important. And so this current reality, that if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, that the Lord is inside of us, that He rests in us, He abides in us, He's dwelling in us by the Holy Spirit, that is the reality according to God's Word, God's Scripture. But I want to kind of conclude our time by asking the question, what's next or so what? So the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. What does that really mean? If God is in us, first of all, you're not alone. And some of you, I know, go through the Christmas holiday uh, alone. Or maybe you're you missing a family member for the first time. And I want to say that God, He's with you. And boy, that's a great comfort. But if God is in us, shouldn't it make a difference inside of our lives? I mean, that's the question I want to ask. Shouldn't it change us from the inside out that we're called to be set apart for what? Well, in Matthew chapter 28, I want you to turn in your Bibles with me there. We get the answer 
to the so what. We see, we see this idea that, okay, God is in us. His presence dwells in us. But why would God create that opportunity for us to be inside of us? And we see this picture in Matthew 28, starting verse 16, the Great Commission. We have Jesus, his presence in us, so we can make a difference. Let's look at it. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we're going to come back and look at that. All authority was given to Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey what I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And so what we see here is that Jesus, his presence is all-powerful. All authority was given to Jesus. But then at the very end there, it says that he will be with us to the very end of the day. He's with us. His presence is, it resides inside of us. And right in the middle, we see the purpose of why would God fill us with his presence. It's in order for us to go to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to make a difference, to let people know. That's exactly why Jesus came and why he died and why he rose again. It's so we can make disciples. The idea of Jesus, Emmanuel, that we celebrate at Christmas, that God with us, it's he's in us so we can make a difference. So we can be disciple makers. We can teach others to obey God's word. The fact that God dwells in us should mean that we are utilizing, we're leveraging, we're taking advantage of his presence in our lives to make a difference. How many would agree? Amen? If we didn't, wouldn't it be a waste? If we had this presence inside of us and we didn't utilize it, we didn't put it to work, how many of you think that'd be a waste, right? Well, I was talking about this with the staff and we were kind of brainstorming a little bit. It'd be like this. It'd be kind of like a, a big F, F-350 truck here. All right, I mean, isn't that a sweet truck? Now, if you had a big truck like this with the right suspension, super duty, turbo diesel, I mean, how many would like that truck? I mean, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? But if you had that and never towed a thing, or never put a load in the pickup in the in the bed of the truck. How many think that that truck would be a waste? I think so. Or it'd kind of be like this: if you were a computer person and you created the ultimate computer for whatever you were interested in, whether it was video software or gaming applications, or you're a business-minded person, you've created this incredible system. And then you decide only to use it for Facebook or for YouTube. How many think that that would be a complete waste of an, inc- an awesome uh, computer, wouldn't it? I was asking Pastor Pete, and he said, it's kind of like Michael Jordan playing baseball. What a waste of potential. <laughs> I don't know why that came to mind. But it's also like the Christmas gifts that we received. How many guys received some good gifts this year? Yeah? Uh, little Pete here was telling me he got the new Xbox. Pete, if you got this Xbox, and then you said, oh, that was so nice. I don't know who got it for you. But, um, and you say, oh, that's good. And you left it in the box and never hooked it in, never played it. 
Wouldn't that be a waste of an Xbox? Yes. <laughs> that would be tragic. It would be a waste. So if we had our gifts and we never utilized them, it would be a waste. Pastor Bobby said, boy, it'd be like having the resource or the, uh, the ability to create change and then just sitting on it, not doing anything with it. It'd be a waste, Pastor Bobby was saying, to, have, have, to be able to have the cure for world hunger or the cure for AIDS or the cure for cancer and just to sit by and not bring that and not to utilize it. It'd be a waste. Well, in Scripture, there's a story that is told of someone having the ability to help someone and not doing anything with it. It's a story of the Good Samaritan. How many have heard this story of the Good Samaritan, right? There's three guys uh, that come along after this guy's been beaten and he's bleeding and he's left for dead on the side of the road. Uh, the robbers had got him. He's left for dead. Three guys come by. The first one is the priest. And I'm just assuming that the priest should have had a heart for people, right? But he walks right by. He goes to the other side. He says, ooh, I don't want to get involved with that. I'm not going to touch that. He walks right by. The second is the Levite. Again, connected to, to the church, should have the ability to, uh, and really the desire to be a blessing, to be a help. But the priest, the Levite, they both walk by. And then, of course, the story goes on. And wh who was the one that stopped? The Samaritan, the outcast, the one that no one w else would have ever imagined, the one that was disregarded in culture. But the Good Samaritan, motivated by love, made the difference. Stepped up and they saw. And what's cool about that story uh, is that the Good Samaritan, not only did he take care of the physical needs, he took him to the, to the hotel, took him to, a, to get the, the healing that he needed, but then he even left resources beyond that, said, look, whatever it takes, I want to take care of it. Well, there's one more modern-day Good Samaritan story that kind of emerged this week that I thought was really interesting, and I want to share it with you. It's, a, it's a, a guy, his name is James Harrison. He's 78 years old, he's Australian, and uh, for 60 years, he has been donating his rare blood type. And uh, how many have ever given blood before? Just show a quick show of hands. All right, get them up there. All right, so probably over half of us or more have given blood. Well, this guy is not your typical donor. This guy literally has given blood over a thousand times in his lifetime. 60 years been giving. And according to CNN and according to research, he has saved more than 2 million babies' lives. You say, well, how is this possible? Well, they call him the man with the golden arm. And the reason is because his blood has a rare antibody that stops babies from dying from a disease called rhesus. What's interesting about this guy is at age 14, he received a blood transfusion himself, 13 units. He almost died in 1951 at age 14. And so at 18, he started to give blood when he was able to do so. He said, hey, I should give back. But it wasn't until a couple years later that he realized, that they realized how rare his blood was. And once he knew that, he was hooked. And every couple weeks for the rest of his life, till he's 80 years old, they'll let him give blood till he's 80. He, has get, he will give and will continue for the next couple years. 
every batch of anti-D, which is the, what will help with the rhesus disease, that has been ever made in Australia has come from Mr. Harrison's blood. Isn't that incredible? Now, just let's imagine that Mr. Harrison, he hears about this. He understands that his blood has this healing potential and this power to save lives. And what if he just decided, nah, I'm not going to give of my time. I'm not going to give blood in order to do this. Wouldn't that be a waste? Wouldn't that be a waste? It'd be tragic. But he has given over and over. Now let's come bring this back to us because we have got something inside of us as well. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, we are called jars of clay, but we have a treasure inside of us. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to start in verse 7. It says this, But we have this treasure, which we're going to talk about what the treasure is, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and it's not from us. So what is this treasure? We see it in verse 6. It's a light. It's, a, it's the presence of God. Look at it in verse, verse 6. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So what that means is that God, He has put His presence in us, His light inside of us, the light of the gospel, but we, our bodies, we're just clay pots, but there's something in us. It's not us, but it's Christ in us. It's a light inside of us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says to, light, to let our lights shine before all men. John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, God is light. In Him there is no darkness. The reality is, church, we are children of the light. We have the presence of God in us. We are shining. We shine for others to see. Emmanuel, God with us, the reality is that there's a light, a treasure inside of each and every one of us. Now, something happened this week to my family that is, was kind of crazy, kind of threw us for a loop. For 18 hours on Christmas Eve, we were without power in Grand Haven. How, there, I know there are some others that lost power uh, on Christmas Eve from those windstorms that came through. And what's crazy is at 2 o'clock in the morning when the power went out, it didn't matter so much because we are sleeping, but that next night, we're saying we need to turn on some lights. How many of you are afraid of the dark? Anybody afraid of the dark, by, by the way? <laughs> okay, we got some honest people. Oh, hold, hold on. So, so when the lights go out, what do we do with the darkness? Does anybody know? <laughs> we get a flashlight, right? We get our lights out, right? And so we lost power. We got out our flashlights and all kinds of candles and just do that. If you get out your light, you're going to get a prize. No, just again, there's no prize this morning. But what do we do when there's darkness? We get a light. Come on, guys. I know you got your lights. All right, we got some lights in the back out there. Just shine them up towards the ceiling, not in your friend's eye. All right, if you got a phone with a light or you got a flashlight, get it out. 
When darkness comes, we turn on a light. And what does the Bible say? When there is darkness and we shine the light of the gospel, the darkness, what? Has to flee. It has to go. And what happens is our light shines and it makes a difference in other people's lives. And this morning, and just give yourselves a hand for all those lights that came out. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's cool. Thank you for your participation. What's crazy is I planned all this and I forgot about all these lights back here. And I walk in this morning, I'm like, no! I'm like, I'm still doing it. You guys get the point, right? The point is you have a light inside of you. Emmanuel, God with us, God in us. The light is in you. A couple years ago, I was at a conference, and the the conference speaker was really telling a a sad story that became kind of neat. Her daughter was deathly afraid of darkness. At night, it was a big struggle to put her child to bed. This little girl was petrified of darkness. Didn't want, they end up sleeping with her uh, until she would fall asleep or they'd leave the light on in the room. And one day they were at the store and the mom decided, hey, I'm going to buy my daughter a flashlight. Flashlight, they get it home, put the batteries in it and screw it on. The little girl puts the flashlight on kind of like you guys just did. And the neat thing that this little girl said, she said at that point, she said, mommy, Can we go find some darkness? Isn't that awesome? Where she was once afraid, now she was able to pierce the darkness with the light. And the reality is, for each and every one of us, we need that kind of resolve inside of us. That the Holy Spirit, His presence inside of us, would light up the world around us. And I believe God, he will get the glory for just that. So the big so what this morning about God's presence, it's God's presence in us. Can we, as children of God, find some darkness, please, to make a difference? It would be an absolute waste if we have the presence of God inside of us and we don't utilize it, if we don't put it to work. The big point, the so what behind Emmanuel is that God, he's with us to make a difference. The Great Commission, to go, to make disciples, to make a difference, to make an impact, to take the greatest story that's ever been told, the Christmas story, and be the light. Matthew 5, 16, I quoted earlier, let your light shine before men so they will see your good deeds and praise you your Father in heaven. Your light, your example, your desire to share the gospel story can make the difference in someone's life. Make an impact. Make all the difference. Find some darkness, church. Go into the world because Christ is in you. He's the hope of glory that's inside of us. And this morning, I want to just challenge us that as we conclude this year, as we 
look at the potential of a new year in front of us, that the light of the gospel would make the difference in our lives. We want to close out the year by having a time where we honor God and we remember Him with communion. And it's the last Sunday of the month. The kids are in the service. We had the kids stay the whole time and shorter message. And, but, uh, but really our heart is this, is that we would remember Jesus. We would remember His story and that it would burn so much inside of us that it would make the difference in our day-to-day life. And so what we've done is I've asked Pastor Bobby to lead us in a song that captures the story of Christ from the beginning through his death and resurrection. And that song is called Man of Sorrows. And I'm going to encourage you, let's just stand together and we're going to worship the Lord as we finish out. And as we do that, the elements will be passed out for communion. I'm going to ask that you hold on to those. We'll partake together and then we'll be back together and uh, close out the service. But let's pray and ask God to just open our hearts at this moment. Lord, I pray that at this moment, Lord, that you would make the difference. Lord, that we would sense your presence in our lives. And God, that you would just capture our hearts as we remember you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.